Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, this is show number 92 and, and we're already starting to get a few people say, well, what's on for show 100? Which kind of puts the pressure on us because we haven't really thought that through. Anyway, uh, we have uh, here on the show this evening, uh, Graham, of course, and a super special guest. But first of all, Graham, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. And um, I just want to say, I've been thinking about show 100, so oh, don't worry you? about it. Guys. Should I be yeah. scared about that? Yeah, probably, probably. But uh, no, I'm very well, thank you. And I am super, super excited to get to talk to tonight's guest because um, we're being joined this evening by somebody whose work I have been admiring for quite a while now. And it's somebody whose work is also really different from kind of everybody else we've had on before. And so I'm just so excited to talk about it and ask lots of dumb questions and see where it goes. So um, I want to say a very, very big welcome to the show uh, to um, Dee Elysia, um, who is across all social medias and has got her own website and all sorts of stuff, but um, here with us tonight. So Dee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely great to have you here. Um, now, you're particularly active on um, Twitter, and that's where I first found you. Um, but I know you do have an Instagram account as well, and you're—I um, think you're probably the first person who we've had come on the show. You're an artist uh, and a photographer, or an artist whose medium is photography. But you're—I think—the first person we've had for whom that is—that is your life. You aren't doing this. You don't have another job, and this is just something you do on the side. You are an artist. That is your vocation in life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I want to ask you about is the first thing, because I, I know that whole how did you get into photography thing is a bit of a, a bland question, but I think with you in particular, the way that you got into photography and discovered it as your art form um, is really interesting, and it also really informs your work going forward so could you tell us how you got into it and, and what drew you to it um i was modeling basically um as a sort of hobby um and ironically i don't like having my photograph taken so um when i started modeling i started doing some sort of self-portraits on a little it was a little digital olympus um, i had at the time that i'd taken traveling with me so um, in order to try and be a better model, I started practicing posing and things like that, um, using self-portraiture. And um, I just sort of fell in love with um, the process of that. And um, I couldn't afford like a, a big fancy DSLR or anything at the time. And film cameras were really cheap. So um, I picked up, I think I got a, a Practica or something like that. Um, I picked up one of those and um, yeah, I just um, fell in love with it. So when I started thinking about giving up modeling, because I, I did it as a hobby to start with. Um, I only did it for a living for a little over a year. Uh, it was basically to save to, to relocate from Scotland to Manchester. And um, when I managed to do that and got to Manchester, that's when I just decided to start doing photography full time. Um, really so yeah um, it was just purely accidental that I, I got into it I don't know why I didn't get into it earlier because I studied painting and stuff like that um, and at the college I was at they had a darkroom and stuff and I, I I never had any interest in it then it's it's weird um, yeah 
just been a real sort of organic thing that I fell into really. So self-portraits, um, for people who haven't seen your work, it's uh, almost exclusively um, portraiture. A lot of it is self-portraiture, but also you work with models, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, but what was it about getting into the self-portraiture that um, that drew you to that medium? Because I, I think I've read that when you were... Um, when you were still studying art, you did quite a lot of self-portraits and stuff then. But what is it about that? I meaning? because a lot of people hate having their, a lot of photographers hate having their picture taken and self-portraiture is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. Um, well, purely because, well, I mean, I, I'd never studied photography. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, essentially. So I, I, I didn't feel like I could, go and, I could go and photograph someone with the film cameras that I had if I didn't, you know, know how to work them so it made sense to just use them on myself um so at least if something didn't work out you know I don't be embarrassed for myself not letting down a model um I don't know I, I think I quite like the the self-loathing bit of it you know when you don't like having your photograph taken I don't know it's it's a good way to sort of study yourself I don't know um I mean, I'm very comfortable photographing myself now. Um, and when things don't work out, I just have a laugh about them. A lot of the time, a lot of the photos I take of myself, they don't work out because I cut my head off and stupid stuff like that because I'm really tall. So, you know, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's really interesting because I, I, I know you've, you've said things that you've written that you're quite a shy person um, mm. and you're somebody who, who can find just dealing with people and putting yourself out there quite difficult and yet in your self-portraiture you wouldn't get that you you're you, yeah. um, you, you know, your portraits are very strong um, and they you know they exude a confidence you know partly because of one the fact that you know you you use nudity in your photographs quite a lot um you know quite a lot of your pictures of yourself are um well i mean if you don't work in somewhere cool they're not suitable for work um yeah. <laughs> and but also like you uh went through i don't know whether you're still doing this um but you for a while were going out at night shooting you know and like the level of confidence just implied in all this seems incredible uh, and and very odds with the fact that you are self-described as quite a shy person that's what I quite like about it I like the contradiction of it though you know I'm not a natural people person but I just love photography so much and as much as I get really nervous about if I'm working with a model I've never met before you know I, I, sometimes I'm sick the night before you know with the nerves but it never, nothing terrible ever happens. A lot of models are, are quite shy as well um, and aren't confident about how they look. Um, I don't know, I, I just, I, I just really like the process of photographing people. I like the end part of it, you know, I don't find the shooting part, you know, torturous or anything. I, I find that I'm really nervous and I don't want to let the person down um, and I want them to like the photographs because the models that come to work with me that's why they come to work with me because they want photographs for their portfolio so I need to give them something that they can use um, but that's I don't know it's one of the few things I've done in my life where I don't let my my shyness or my nerves stop me from doing it because 
nothing bad ever happens. It always turns out good, you know. Um, but yeah, that that's that's what I, I quite like about it. It's it's made me do lots of things in my life that I never would have done before um, because you know my shyness and nerves and stuff would have held me back. Um, photography, I don't know, it's given me a sort of not confidence, but I I just. I'm a little more fearless with it. Um, because yeah. I just it so much. So. Yeah, I can com- I can completely understand that. Um, you a lot of the work you shoot you you use um, Polaroid and Impossible Project um, film a lot. You use quite a lot of uh, Lamography film um, and uh, particularly with your self portraits. Um, you're using a lot of um, techniques to make the images different. You're using double exposures. You might use some, um, I've seen some film souping, um, a real range of experimental techniques where, uh, especially when you're when you're the one that's in front of and behind the camera, must be really difficult to pull off. What, what is it about those kind of things which appeal to you? Well, I, I just don't like things to look, the same all the time you know that's one of the reasons why I didn't like like digital it's very um, clinical and too clean um when I'm photographing myself I I don't I quite like it if the film's harsh you know if you cross process it and and it's really really grainy um I, I think it adds an extra sort of layer to you know the content of the photograph particularly as you know I have issues with how I look so I quite like using techniques that maybe, I don't know, emphasise that or or whatever else. But I basically just like, I don't like the same thing in every photograph. So I'm, I'm always trying to find new ways of um, having my photographs look different. And, and plus, I mean, I've only been doing it, it must be about six, six and a half years. So I've not been doing photography that long. And there's lots of films that I've never tried. Um, so I've got tons of different film types that I still need to try um, and to get different looks um, for my work. So um, yeah, um, I, I used to be particularly obsessed with that whole sort of serendipity element of film and Polaroid and stuff and trying to get little artifacts and the pictures um, because I really like that. Um, anything that just so that the picture just doesn't look too clean and crisp. Um, I just prefer that. Yeah. I think it harks back to paint and, you know, you don't want it to look like a photograph almost sometimes like when it looks like a, a painting or a drawing or whatever else. Um, you just want it to look too much like real life because real life colours are quite flat and, you know, boring. Um, yeah. Yeah. You you use a lot more of these. Um, it, it's, it's noticeable the the i suppose the strongest um experimental pictures or the, the strongest effects the, the ones that are most visually um diverse are your self portraits um your the, the other portraits you do of other people um whilst you do still use these but they're not not as strong is there a reason for that well i i don't i think it's like i, I don't mind making myself look ugly or harsh or whatever but i don't want to make a model look like that you know um I, yeah, I tend to not experiment too much with that. It depends what it is. I, I always want to make sure 
I want them to look good. So as long as it doesn't make them look bad, um, I, I think I, I think I accidentally shot a, a cooked wool film with a model once, um, and it came out fine, thankfully. But um, I think it's just difficult for some model that you've got a, an obligation to give them something for their portfolio, and if they, that gets added to their model portfolio, a lot of photographers use digital, and they won't get why this model's got pictures in a portfolio that are covered in streaks or spots or whatever, you know. Um, a model's portfolio is there sort of, it's supposed to show other photographers what they look like, so it needs to be quite, um, it can be creative, but, you know, um, I, I just I just wouldn't want to make a, a model look hideous <laughs> in any way, so. Um, um, speaking of models, you, um, well I suppose most photographers tend to work kind of in isolation even when you're working with a model you it's it's you behind the camera and you guiding things um with um one model in particular I think uh, your friend um is it Faye yeah who who you've had this long-term um sort of very collaborative workflow with uh, which is not something which I think is particularly common um, in the in photography or in, or in I don't know other art forms. But um, what? How has that worked out, and what have you got from that? Well, um, I worked with Faye when I was still model, and um, and Faye's a photographer as well. Faye's actually got a degree in it, um, and and everything. So um, when I got to work with her, um, it was just a gradual thing that we, we became friends. And um, I think I just met her at a good point in my life because I was sort of struggling with modeling. I, I had to sort of peter out with it because people didn't want to book me anymore because um, they found my photography work intimidating. And I found that quite difficult um, that that people didn't like that maybe I had a skill or an interest in the same thing they did, you know, they, could, they couldn't deal with that. Um, and she, our friendship sort of happened around that time and she sort of made me realise that, you know, I, I could do my photography instead, you know, because I, I cared about that more. And I could be more creative with it as well um, and use my ideas and my work rather than go and work with a photographer and give him my idea with me as a model, um, whereas I could just photograph myself or photograph a model with my ideas. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know, we just became friends and our work together sort of evolved because um, I was still doing a little bit of digital at the beginning and then I obviously fell in love with film and, and Faye's got so much experience because she has a degree in it and you know when she studied they worked with film. Um, I've always felt like if I had any sort of, if I didn't know what I was doing with something, I could ask Faye and I've learned a lot from working with her as well. Um, and I guess our body of work sort of shows that over the course of five or six years, um, just a sort of process of how my, my work's evolved um, as a whole, but particularly with her because she's been the biggest influence on um, what I've been doing, essentially. Um, yeah. It really does come through in the work. I mean, it, it's it's particularly impressive to me that, like you you guys hook up and 
what come it, it's really hard when actually funnily enough <laughs> oh awesome i mean I, I was looking at um let me just know if you can find the the name of the particular um set of work because you've got loads of work on your website uh the lodge that was it so um i was looking at the gallery of the lodge and as far as i can understand that's one role of film where the two of you got together and clearly you clearly having a lot of fun and I can get that from not so much from the fact that the pictures are all like happy, smiley, fun time pictures, because that's not the style of your work, but a lot of your work, whether it's when you're working with models or whether it's your self portraits, there's, I get the distinct impression that you, you enjoy almost the sort of the theatrical side of it as well. You know, you, you, there's a lot of dressing up in, clothes that are often completely inappropriate to the surroundings that you're in there's a lot of real contrast in it and it looks so that you're having a lot of it fun coming up with the ideas and executing them and to be able to go and just get get like a gallery of images from one roll of film in one day um is is amazing i mean is that a fairly standard way for you guys to work that's one of the things where i I really liked about working with Faye is because she's one of the few people who sort of gets um, a film reference or or whatever that we're thinking about for styling or whatever because we we have the same sort of interests um, when it comes to cinema and music and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's really easy. Usually, that's that's what we do. She, you know, she puts something ridiculous on and um, does her hair and makeup, and we just go to whatever location it is that we've um sourced and we just run around i mean we literally shoot for like 10 or 15 minutes and that's it um the majority of our time spent getting ready (laughs) um but yeah yeah that is basically what we do um i think it comes from you know because she's a model as well um when you're modeling photographers tend to complain a lot about how they don't have a budget for shooting you know a makeup artist and you need a location and, and and stuff like that but in reality you don't need anything I, I mean I just shoot out in the building hallway um and our own clothes and do our own hair and makeup but you don't need any money to to make good photographs um I think that's one of the things that we like doing when we work together just proving that there's tons of free locations that you can use to shoot in and make perfectly good photographs in them um but yeah um it's always really fun to work with me um yeah i, I was looking at your um pictures where you were taking uh, with sort of the brutalism um pictures of i think the description was grotty grotty seaside toilets are more interesting than the beach that they're next to which uh it's <laughs> as it, it's that thing of, of the contrast that you put into your pictures um you mentioned a little while back about the fact that when you were still doing some modeling that you started to get less work because the photographers who were looking for models um weren't thrilled about the fact that you were putting your own work out there um how have you found the reception i mean we talked about the fact that a lot of a lot particularly of your self-portrait work is um nude work and you know and it's quite i don't I suppose provocative depends on how easily provoked you are, but you know it's it's yeah. quite it's it's upfront, it's blunt, um, yeah. and um, and it, it's for for me personally, there's a real difference between the way that um, men 
shoot women to the way that women shoot women and to the way that people shoot themselves yeah. um how how did you initially find the reception to what you were doing because i mean that must have been putting that out there when you started doing that it, it requires a level of bravery i cannot fathom personally <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i didn't really think about it at the time um i i don't know um I, th I think it's going back to that study thing, like, you know, um, I just sort of used it as a tool to sort of e explore, you know, what, what I was wanting to do with photography, essentially. Um, and I quite like the, the sort of, it, it's much more comfortable to, to take sort of intimate photographs of yourself like, um, like that with you being the photographer rather than going working with some photographer you don't know and, and trusting them to take those sort of photographs. Um, and because I think as a woman particularly, it's always been men who's made who've made those photographs of women. And I know I get sick of that. So um, mm. I think um, it's just that female gaze thing, I think, isn't it? You get to control the image that you, you put out there of yourself. Um, so, I mean, I was nervous the first time ever uploaded sort of photos like that but um and I don't really shoot as much stuff of that anymore I think you just sort of evolve and progress when you're, you've been doing it for a few years but, um but yeah um I mean and plus a lot of the, the people who see my photographs aren't people I know um a lot of them are model friends it's not like my dad or anyone sees them so I guess I don't really think beyond that um, I don't think my dad would care, to be honest. But um, but yeah, yeah, I, I get that it is quite, it's quite looks quite brave to to people who don't do those kind of photographs. But um, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I find it scarier to take portraits of my face than that, to be honest. That's probably partly why I did those kind of photos. I, I, it took me a while to be comfortable just taking straight forward portraits of my face those were much scarier to do um really, really? yeah massively yeah i love you you've got some portraits on um your website i think they might be the ones you took was it no i'm not even sure what this is but you had some type 2 polaroid film or time so i can't remember the um so time time zero yeah that's the one yeah imagine that's what i said the first time around <laughs> Um, and you've got some really lovely portraits that I think were taken with that. Um, can you tell us a bit about, well, one, what the hell Time Zero is? For the, for the people that I obviously know, clearly, but for the other people that don't know, could you say what that is and, and why you chose to use that for these portraits? Um, that's Time Zero is like a, that's a film they made years ago. Um, it was actually Andy who, who works for Impossible, which is now Polaroid Originals. Um, he works at the factory. He's one of the... the I think he's the engineer, technician or whatever, he got sent a box of them from someone in Japan, I think. Um, and so he sent me a couple of packs for me to use. Um, and I think I shot the first pack with Faye and half the pack came out really well. We got some really cool stuff in Sheffield and then the, the bottom part of the pack had obviously just sort of, I don't know, was all stuck together and didn't come out. So I had this second pack and I thought, well, it's 50 50 and whether it's going to be the same um i thought i just it's known for the sort of flame effect on it so i thought it might be quite cool to try and do something a little more close up so yeah i mean i didn't even really think about it i just put it in the camera and, and thought i'd see what the first shot came out like and luckily they came out very crisp um and in focus 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, shot some portraits with it. Um, I didn't even really plan what I was doing. I just, yeah, I just snapped, snapped a few and saw what I got. Um, it does seem like the, um, the instant film, the, like the Polaroid and the Impossible in particular, uh, especially early on in your um, sort of journey into this whole thing, um, you, you were using that a lot. It seemed to be a medium that really did click with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, we never had, I don't remember ever having cameras in our house when I was a kid. I think my mum had one of those little, you know, the little one, 110, tiny little... I've got one of them actually, it's like one, it takes 110 film. I think my mom had one of those, but I'd never seen a Polaroid camera before. Um, and, um, someone got me one for Christmas and I'd been told that you don't get the film anymore. And I found a pack of the film um, in like, a, I think it was like, was it Fat Buddha or something like that store in Glasgow? Um, and so I got a pack of it and um, I just fell in love with it. It was just a little, 600 supercolor polaroid camera i had at the time so obviously i couldn't photograph myself um but yeah i just think it's the first sort of taste of making a print of your photo isn't it um that isn't just like a, a print out on a printer um yeah i just i still just love the process of it um just having an instant shot and you seem to have really like uh, why another thing I really love about stuff that you do, and I, I, I you say, um, well, I think it was on your blog, you're talking about the fact that people should never throw away, even if they think the picture's bad, never throw away um, their their pictures because you do a lot of um, collage work, you do emotionless, you do all sorts of stuff to create your art. You know, it's not all just straight pictures. You do all sorts of um, stuff with it. Um, bearing in mind that you didn't have the education in photography and, and the background in it how how were you finding about all this stuff how did you come into it or has it all just been a case of exploring it picking up nuggets here and there I just I don't know I just try out stuff um I think emotion lift I, I found a tutorial or something on online somewhere and just did it um I still think that that first lift I did is the best lift I've ever done. Every every other one I've done has not been <laughs> not been that great. The first one, and it's the first thing I ever sold as well. Was um, it was an emotion lift of my friend Fizzy. Um, yeah, that was the first one I sold. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I I, I like the experiment thing. It, it doesn't really matter. If something doesn't work. It doesn't. I don't think it really. It's not a big deal. It was just a shot that was sitting in a box anyway. Then. It's not going to matter if you cut it up. Um, yeah, I just I just like giving things a go. I think it's the best way to learn stuff is just by trying it out. Um, I'm not really scared of doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun as well. Yeah, because I mean that's the thing. Your your work, uh, photography and art. And that sort of dividing line is, or not dividing line, that that really hazy, blurry, blurry line. Yeah. Uh, your work definitely uh, is art first and photography afterwards. I would say, in 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 all terms, really. Um, I'm when you started, so you went from being a model and into doing this. How, how did you manage to? How how have you managed to make? Because you've been 
in a fairly short space of time really successful in getting recognition for what you're doing um you've been featured in numerous publications um you, you know, there's, there's a lot of your stuff out there where people have picked up on it really liked what you're doing and wanted to share it both in print and online um how how as somebody who's clearly quite a shy person how did you go about getting the word out there or did it come to you did you manage to sort of quite naturally build that audience well I think because I was doing it as I was still modeling so I built a little bit of I don't know some people were interested in it um, I think it all started with impossible really I, I think um I set up a Twitter account and um I started tagging them in, in some of my Polaroids um which I always get scared about tagging people and, and stuff on Twitter because you always think that they're going to be like, what is this crap that this girl's tagging me in? Um, but what happened instead is that they, they started retweeting my stuff and then one day um, I got an email from them saying they, they wanted to send me like a box of a box of um, film to use, um, which was great because it was, it was the first year I'd moved down to Manchester. Um, the first year that I moved down here, I, I had no money at all. It was really hard. Um, so that box of film they, they sent me was like, it was a massive resource. It, it gave me, you know, um, film to use to start, you know, making new work with. Um, and it all started from there. They've always been really supportive of me. Um, and it, it put me in touch with more people in the sort of film community as well. And I don't know. I guess I guess it all started from there. You you start speaking to other people, um, adding your work, other places, um, trying to think of places to submit to and, and things like that. I guess it, it sort of helps with your confidence, thinking that you know to to keep pushing your work out there because I think that's the key to it. And it's the great thing about the internet is my, my I wouldn't survive on my work if it wasn't for the internet because you know I don't go out and speak to people in person about, you know, my friends always telling me that I should go to little cafes and, you know, try and get my, my work to sell in there. But I just, I can't, I can't do that. It's much easier to sort of just submit your work online somewhere, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just been a, I don't know, it's just a natural thing and really to do with the film community because um, they're all really supportive of each other. Um, yeah. It it does, and it does seem to. I mean, I suppose that's the thing. You you were putting out great quality work, and and you were tagging the right people, and they. It, it, sometimes it's that simple. If people see yeah, what you're doing and like right, it, yeah, it's just a, it's getting the right person to see it. Sometimes that's that's really yeah. what it is. It's down to them really um, believing in believing in your work in some way. Um, yeah. And it's a mutually beneficial thing as well. I mean, from Impossible, well, and now Polaroid's point of view, they saw you producing interesting and distinctive work at a time where that they want to be showcasing, look, this is what our film can be used for. The, the, you know, this is the kind of stuff um, that, and, and that's great for them and, and it obviously helps you. Um, yeah. You, uh, I think last year you published your first zine of self-portraits, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and um, and you also, I think, last year kickstarted a book that will be coming out this year. Is that correct? Also, or am I getting this twisted? No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can can you, can you talk to, first off about 
the experience of putting together the zine like, of, of bear in mind what you've already said about your self-portraits and how <laughs> your feelings of <laughs> self-loathing and you know like all the good and bad things that come from it, how it was putting together that choosing from all the pictures that you've got and then about the whole like the kickstarting and what what's going to happen with the books i know you're working really hard on that at the moment well the um the zine really was it came from um you know i, I spent that year out shooting self-portraits at night and initially i thought oh i'll make like a little publication of all of those pictures um because i sort of ran out of um steam with that well i think i i ran out of inspiration i did it for the best part of a year and i thought i got all the photos that i could take so initially it was that and then i thought oh why don't i just curate that whole year of self-portraits that my favorite pictures from it and just do it in a zine and i thought it'd be good for people who maybe couldn't afford to buy a print, if I did something like that, maybe they'd be able to afford to buy the zine instead and, and own my work in that way. Um, and plus it's a really good way to to keep a, a record of your work because looking at it online is just not the same. Um, seeing it in print is is so much better. and It helps you to, to look at things you need to improve or, or ideas that you want to sort of try um, in the future. So it basically came from that, um, and it it was really fun putting it together. Um, I never designed anything like that before, and it, my design was very simple. Um, it's not anything complicated, but um, but yeah, that went really well. Um, that sold out, um, and then from that, me and Faye, um, it made me think, why don't I do something of my work with Faye? And coincidentally one night um, we got together and, and Faye sort of brought it up as well and I, and I thought I was actually thinking the same thing why don't we make a book or something and so we thought about that um, and because there's so much more work compared to the, the years worth of self-portraits I'd done with the zine it was obviously going to be a, a sort of bulkier a bulkier thing um, so I was sort of worried what if I make it and, and no one wants to buy it so I thought the best way to gauge interest would to be to do a Kickstarter. So if anyone wanted to get it, essentially, they're like pre-ordering a copy. Um, and that, yeah, amazingly went really well. We made a little video um, and stuff to sort of, we thought it'd be good for people to see us, um, you know, in 3D form speaking and, and rather than just in, in photographs and stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that that went really well. I mean, I'm still working on it. I'm actually going to have to put back the release date again, um, I think another month, because we basically, we've just got to finish some of the writing parts that have to go in it, because we've written bits about, you know, our ideas and some of the projects that we've done. Um, but um, it's going really well, We're really excited about it. I'll be glad when it's <laughs> finished and I can get it um, out there. But um but yeah, um, that's another good little thing. It's, it's a good little memento of the work that we've done together. So far, hopefully, there'll be another one in, I don't know, another five years or something. But um, but yeah, um, I just, it's one of the things I really love about photography. I love the print aspect of it, and I think it's so much better for people to see your work in that form, because um, it's, it's just not the same as looking at it on a computer screen um yeah. yeah 
especially when so many people, I think a lot of us, myself included, a lot of the time the screen that you're looking at to see people's work is not even a computer screen. It's more often than not a phone screen, which is, yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty, I mean, you, you can't really appreciate any picture on the screen that size um and uh yeah uh, uh, photo books are a great end point um yeah. for that kind of stuff uh, it's great so so um when when is that coming and will there be um will there be copies for people who weren't around you know who didn't kickstart it or is it all going to be sort of kickstarter fulfillment for that's a long word fulfillment only on there we think that there'll be at least another 10 copies um, available for people who, you know, didn't um, get into the Kickstarter. Um, but yeah, we're, we're limiting it to 50, so um, 50 copies in total. So, But yeah, um, the release date was, was put back to the end of this month, but I think realistically it's going to be end of April, um, just to really perfect these final little bits, because we're doing a lot of handwritten stuff, basically, so there's a I have to scan that and, you know, layer it in in Photoshop and stuff. I thought it'd be a nice sort of um, personal element to it if we handwrite stuff rather mm. than, you know, um, just text or whatever. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah. How, how have you found it writing about your work, particularly having going back and you're going back over five years' worth of stuff that you've done? And, um, and a lot of your work... Um, I, I, it seems, although it's you know, you're thinking about what you're going to do and wait, but it, it, it has a very impulsive feel to it. Um, I, I, what, again, I, I really hope that people go and check out your website and look at your stuff because um, the eye. What, what amazes me again, but especially about your self-portrait stuff, is the eye that you have for composing a picture whilst not being in front of the camera or behind. <laughs> it is, is I don't get it, but anyway, it's amazing. But how have you found the experience of of going back and writing about these things or, or putting words to them? And and what kind of stuff has it been about the place you were at emotionally or you know mentally at the time or has it been about the shoot itself what what kind of stuff have you been writing to go with the pictures well it's been a combination of stuff that like i actually we went back and um we looked up um the emails that i, I first sent to faye because i i messaged faye i've only ever messaged two models in my whole life to work with and faye was the first one um and the other one was a, a male model who was over from America. But um, we went back and found those emails, so we've put them in the book as well. So, because they're quite funny, because it's me sort of being like, hi, I'm, you know, don't be offended by me contacting you. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, we put stuff like that in, little personal emails of us having our first ever sort of email chat about working together. And then we've written stuff about, like, you know, the Park Hill series we did, um, Faye's obviously from Sheffield, whereas I'm not. And I've written about my experience of when she took me up there for the first time because, you know, I just love brutalism and I've written about what my experience was like going up there to see that, um, or first shoot up there. And then she's obviously written more a, a sort of, she's known that place since she was a kid, so she's got more of a personal um involvement with and she's written her take on it um so it's things like that things like our, our trip to berlin we've written a little bit about um some of it's just about what our idea was um on that day what we were shooting other things are a little more in depth um i've also found some of my 
I keep like notebooks that I write ideas in, so I found stuff like that that I'm, I'm putting little bits and pieces in as well. Um, just little mementos and things as well. Um, yeah, yeah, just things like that. Because you've you've been keeping well, I think you've been you've done you've been obviously a little bit busy with other stuff lately. But you've got a blog um, on your website as well. So you've written quite a lot in the past about your experiences with shooting and and just everything that's associated with it and and not associated with it in your life or, or, or things that affect it. Um, yeah. Are you going to be picking the blog back up again once the book is done? I keep meaning to like I find it. I think I got diagnosed with dyspraxia like a, a couple of years ago, and one of the things that affects is your concentration. So I find it really hard sometimes to, you know, I used to write a lot when I was younger, um, and I think because I fell out of practice with it, it takes a lot for me to just sit and do it. And plus, I only really like to write when I have something to say but um I think I've been caught up with you know I moved and then this book stuff but um but yeah I do have loads of like saved drafts on my website of, of blogs that I've not published because I I don't know whether I want to publish them um but yeah I definitely it's one of those things that I keep meaning to be like I need to write because <laughs> I love when I have new pictures to share and obviously I'm shooting pretty much every week so um but yeah, I just don't want to bore people with like, hey, I had a shoot this week and, you know, and just post a load of photos. Um, but, um, but yeah, I do. I really enjoy the writing part. I think that's what I've liked about the books. I've I've gotten to get back back into that a bit more um, and write about some pieces that are, have a, quite a bit more meaning as well. But yeah, um, I definitely need to pick my blog back up. I think the last thing was the the large pictures, I think, wasn't it? Um, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were great. I mean, a great set of photos. When when you got diagnosed with dyspraxia, and actually you wrote about this in your blog, and I mean, it's pretty late in the day to get a diagnosis <laughs> like that. Um, you write about the fact that it it kind of, when you looked into it, you went, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, all of these things that it's saying here like yeah this is this fits with how i am and how i go about it do you find yourself looking back over you know over your body of work and and actually going oh actually i can see the the elements yeah i can see how the dyspraxia uh, you know influences how i work and the way i mean i suppose you know the fact that you're up at 3 a.m in the morning in a park in manchester <laughs> Yeah. on your own which does not seem very safe um yeah i don't recommend i got very lucky with that project but yeah i don't recommend doing it <laughs> yeah i mean well in fairness i don't think that you probably don't need to put a warning out don't go out and do nude photography on your own in a park in manchester at 3 a.m that that seems like another oh God, you should I'm, be able to do that though you know you should be able to do that and not worry about someone turning up but um but yeah but yeah, the dyspraxia thing, though, I think particularly with film, because film, I've noticed it a lot and I find it quite amazing that I've managed to do film photography when I have dyspraxia. Um, it's one of the things I get worried about when people email me and ask me about how I did certain things. It's like I, I couldn't even tell you what the lens is on, on any of my cameras. I don't notice stuff like that. The, the way I work is that I know, I know what I get out of what camera and depending on what the conditions are or what I'm shooting, I know which camera to pick. But I, 
would have no idea. I couldn't tell you any of the settings that I use. I don't use light meters. I use my eyes. You know, that's how I t I test light. Um, I don't do any test shots or anything. I just I just I don't know. It's in instinctual or whatever. But um, but yeah, I think dyspraxia affects. It doesn't stop me from from doing my work, but I think I work in a, a very different way to other people um, because of it. But I do think it. It comes into my work, particularly with light and color. Um, dyspraxia is very similar to autism in that, in that you're very um, sensitive to light and noise and color and things like that. And I find I'm very drawn to that. It's probably why I shoot a lot of stuff at night. It's <laughs> not great with daylight. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, it's um, as you said. It, I, I can't imagine what it must have been like to get told this and, and then just. Um, to look back and, and go, oh. I don't know how I managed to just get, it's so stupid. It explains lots of things at secondary school. I think I did all right at primary school, but in secondary school, I think when it came out for me, and obviously it's very new. Um, when I was at school, it was dyslexia that was sort of just, had just been discovered essentially. Um, and it's only been in the last decade that dyspraxia sort of had the same um, recognition and, and studies and whatever. Um, but yeah, lots of things have fallen into place <laughs> for me. I always thought I was just a very intolerant person because I'm not good with crowds and, and noise and people and stuff. So to find out that it's not that I'm just, uh, you know, um, I don't like people, it's that I actually get really overstimulated by things like that. Um, so it's made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, feel like an idiot. <laughs> sadly, I'm just a really intolerant person. <laughs> no one's giving me any <laughs> get out. Girl, isn't it? But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just feeding on from something you were saying about not like with your gear, you're not focused on what lens or what have you. How much? How much experimentation do you do with the equipment that you're using? And do you have a, a go-to set of stuff that you like to use? A go-to set of films that you like to use? Um, well, my favourite cameras, you know, the little Olympus Mew, I think that's how it's pronounced, the little, oh. the little compact one. That, hang on, that's... hang on. <laughs> Is that the one? I've got my little Mew 2 there, <laughs> taped together with masking tape because it's falling apart a bit, but yeah. Mine's got, little... mine's got tape holding the battery. But, yes, um, oh, I'm in good company now. I feel much better about that. <laughs> It's such a good camera. It's one of the things I get nervous about when I'm photographing someone I've not photographed before because they're used to, you know, some old guy turning up with a big telephoto lens and being like, oh, this, and I turn up with this little compact, like a, a loser. And I'm usually <laughs> like, it's a really good camera, honestly. And I always think they must think when they, after that shoot, when they leave, they think these photos are going to be terrible. And then when I email them the pictures, I can always sense the surprise that the, you know, the, the, the the lens on that camera is so good and it's waterproof so I've shot it when it's been raining and um, at night in the cold it's fallen in a pond and so <laughs> um, and plus I got it for like I think I got it on a cash converter site for about 30 quid and now they're what 250 or something on on eBay so yeah they've got really quid. expensive <laughs> But I love that camera, and that's my most used camera. Most of my work has been shot on that camera um, because it's just really easy to put in your pocket. It's it's easy to set up. Um, I, I think I've only ever used two of the settings on it, which is flash on, flash off. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> 
But um, I like what I like about that camera is I like testing what it does with Baki because it gives you amazing Baki if you give it something to work with focus wise. So um, that's why I use a lot of fairy lights and things. Um, and obviously you have no control over what the focus is and I quite like that. I like it when everything just goes completely out of focus. Sometimes it's, you know, it, it really focuses in on you in the back background's really out of focus. Um, but that's my most used camera. Um, film wise, I, I don't know, I, I go through phases. I really like Velvia for a while. Um, I think I was cross processing that. So it, it was just in crazily grainy. Um, and then I, I tried the Sinistel film. Um, I don't think, I like what other people have done with that, but I don't think I've done really that great work with it. I think it works best if you, you shoot it when it's sort of half, half dark, half light, whereas I was shooting it when it was properly dark and you don't really get the same colours with it. Um, I got some of that, um, is it Kodak Vision film I got on eBay? Mm. Um, I think I got that maybe towards the end of last year. I shot some of that when me and Faye were in London and it's really cool. I like it better than the Sinistel film. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm very much colour and I really, really like saturated colours and I don't mm. like the colours to look like real life. I like them to look better than real life. So I like Lomachrome and um, that new Lomo limited edition film they had out. Um, someone sent me a couple of rolls of it. It's quite nice. I like Portra as well, but I tend to like cooking portrait because then, you know, you'll get the skin tones will be right and the reds and blues will be really rich, but then you add a, a little more of an interesting finish to it with, if you cook it. Um, but yeah, um, Ectochrome is my favourite film and obviously it had gone out when I started photography, so I'd only shot expired rolls of it. Hopefully they're going to re-release it this year and I'll get to see what it's like to shoot it fresh. But um, that's definitely my favourite film um, that I've ever used. Um, and with these slides, I mean, with things like the Chrome, are you cross-processing all of your slide films? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, I mean, as you said, the colour in your pictures is is always, I think, a real feature. I mean, uh, anybody who's seen any of my work will be unsurprised that I am drawn to work that um, is... Uh, yeah, you know, as you said, a lot of work. It, you you really do lean into um, uh, sort of a lot of really sort of grainy images. There's a, there's all sorts of distortion and um, incredible stuff going on. And I, yeah, I, I really like it. One once the book. Do you find whilst you're doing this all this work for the book that I know you said you're still getting out and, and shooting every week, but are you sort of itching to get on to the next thing once the book's done? What what is next for you after book? Well, um, I've been saving for one of those, um, is it an Intrepid camera? Because oh, I, yes. I want to go bigger, um, and I've got tons of, like, 120 film that people have been giving me for years. I've got a massive stock of it. Um, but my goal with that is I really want to photograph my dad, um, because my dad's got a really great face, um, particularly, and he's he's good in photographs and I, I that's that's my main goal to photograph him and I'd like to combine that with sort of doing a self-portrait series of myself back home when I'm going there um really test myself and shoot with um new equipment that I've not used and see if I can master that um 
but yeah I've got a few projects that I've just not finished I was doing the thing on dyspraxia for a while and I've, I've not really finished that um but yeah yeah my dad mostly that's <laughs> yeah that that sounds that sounds like a really um an awesome thing to do to, 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 I, I would love to see I would just love to see what what that was like your the way you shoot and shooting something as personal as your dad um that sounds wonderful um before we go to break can you tell us a bit about um the Alston gun magazine yeah well that came about from the self-portrait zine essentially because as as much fun as it was to do that when you work on something like that for a few months and you finish it and it's your own pictures you find yourself thinking I, I don't even like any of these pictures I thought it's that self-loathing thing again do you think you think are these even any good so I thought I wonder what it would be like to work on something like that but it not be my work so that's why I set up Elston Gun, um, and that's exactly what I found about it. It's working with pictures that aren't your own. You don't have that um, that self-loathing thing. When I whenever I go back to work on it, I always just love all the pictures. I love speaking to the people who contribute to it. That I find really inspiring. Again, um, it's just been a really good. It's given me a really good balance of, you know, working on my work and then I do a little bit on that. Um, I like the interviewing thing for the website and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it just came about from that. Just wanting to, just not wanting to work with my own work all the time. Um, because so many people who set these things up, they just publish their own work in it, which I, which I just think's a bit, um, a bit silly. Um, but yeah, it's just about, it's getting to work with other people in the film community again as well. Um, and you discover new people and, and new work t- to fall in love with as well. Um, and everyone that I've spoken to involved in it has just been so great. Particularly when I set it up, I did it anonymously. So no one knew who was behind it. Um, and everyone that I emailed to interview got back to me and were happy to talk to me, even though I was a nobody. Um, so it's been really great. Um, yeah. No, it's awesome. And and looking at the um, uh, sort of the, the schedule, is it one of these things that kind of comes out when you get a chance to put it out, or is it on a, a defined timeline? It was meant to be quarterly, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, I discovered that that's an you know unachievable when you're doing it all on your own, um, yeah. when you struggle with concentration. Um, so I think I had, did I have, I had three issues out last year, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I, I don't know, you're quite... No, two, no, I just, yeah, I had two issues, yeah, the, the third issue the submissions have just ended for. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it would just be, um, it would just be when, when it, when it happens. I've just done the, the submissions for... Issue three actually, everyone I need to email this week. Um, so yeah, it'll just be as and when I can do it. Um, I think once the book thing clears, then I'll have so much more time to, to get stuck right back into that again. Mm. Yeah, and the stuff that um, 
is on the Alston Gun website. Is that um, stuff from people who are featuring the magazines, or is it just from contributors that you particularly want to share? Because there's been quite a few, quite a few um, people's work you shared on there. And, and it, again, it, what I love about it is it's all. It's not the kind of stuff you see everywhere else on the internet. It's um, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some of the people were, um, some of them were people I already followed on Instagram and stuff. I think, and so I emailed them, and then, um, yeah, a few of them have been in, um, have been in the print publications. Um, I've got I've got a few drafts actually saved of other people that are, have been interviewed for it already, but. Um, but yeah, it's just I've got a little thing up on the website now. If someone wants to do an interview piece, then they can just email and, and send me um, send me their details over. But yeah, um, I try I try really hard to make sure it's a, a good mix of people because I'm quite eclectic in the sort of work I like. The, the work I like doesn't tend to be the, the same sort of work that I shoot. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it, it's really it's really nice. And that that's um, Elston dash Gun with a double G at the end dot com, and I would definitely recommend that um, everybody checks that out. And and um, and if people want to, are they best following you on um, Twitter to find out when the next um, next issue is like to be coming out? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll I'll be tweeting about it. Yeah, once it's once it's ready. <laughs> Oh, no, that's awesome. Well, we probably got to say, are you still there, Aid? Or have you dashed off to the park to go and take <laughs> some um, selfies? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I haven't done that. And I am still here. I, I'm absolutely fat. I've been absolutely fascinated. You know, uh, this is one of those shows where I, I'm so pleased to be involved in the making of the show because I get to hear things first. Um, yeah, I, and... You know, uh, I have to say, Dee, um, I think that the thing that has made that makes the biggest impression on me is is um, is that I, I can't I can't conceive of how I could how I could imagine the the images that you've made and, and how I could cause them to happen. Um, it, it's it's an insight for me. I, I wasn't aware of your work until Graham brought you to my attention last week. Um, and so I have been looking at them through the week uh, and thinking, wow, how do uh, how, how do I get anywhere near <laughs> the inspiration and the process about behind all of that? And I still have no idea, even though I've been thinking about it all week. So, um, you know, it's fantastic to, to listen to the conversation. And I hope you'll stay for the rest of the show, which is our yeah. our normal our normal fodder. Um, uh, which, well, normal for me and Graham anyway, brand new for you, but uh, normal for the rest of the listeners, I guess, too. So we had better go and take a quick break and, uh, well, we'll be back in a moment. And we're back from the break and oh wow how do we follow all of that um i guess the first thing we could we could uh, diffuse the situation slightly with a a little bit of housekeeping uh, we probably owe an apology or you know or, or maybe the listeners owe us a thanks i don't know but maybe let's go with us owing the listeners an apology some of you have experienced uh, an, an extra special dosage of sunny 16 podcast this week because when the feed moved you got the whole back catalog so uh we are very grateful uh for you uh, topping up our download numbers <laughs> 
<laughs> record week for us this week uh and uh, we are also apologetic for those of you whose uh cellular bandwidth we have chewed through <laughs> uh that was not the intention behind moving the feed um but uh so far we haven't heard about anybody losing the show altogether so so that's good news of course if they have lost it they may not know how to get in touch but there you go uh but i, I hope uh, that uh, none of you listening uh, are going to experience this show causing you issues um hopefully it was just the ones everything on our side is working well uh and uh, so far we are perfectly satisfied with our new hosting facility so we won't be moving it again so you should not experience any more disruptions in service Right, okay, where after that? I tell you what, shall we celebrate a uh, friend of the show, Steve's exp- uh, Kickstarter success? Yeah, that's great. Um, Steve Lloyd with his chroma camera, that finished, I think, just a couple of days ago. Um, and I'm sure most of the listeners of this will probably remember because we had Steve on the show back in November, I think it was, because um, he was going to be launching the Kickstarter shortly in November. Then he finally got around to it in February, so, you know... Good work, Steve. Um, That's pretty good timing for most Kickstarters, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, But it was hugely successful. We were just talking to Dee about this during the break, how what useful information this would have been for her one week ago. (laughs) And most cheap, affordable, and also available in purple um, 4x5 camera. But, yeah, Steve um, managed to raise £45,000, which was how many times? You told me how much more this was than he was looking for. Um, Originally, he was looking for £10,000, so... I mean the the uh, the the Kickstarter community has spoken, or the or the photography community has spoken, and voted Chroma Camera a success, or at least a potential success, I suppose. Certainly, they're very supportive of Steve's efforts. Yeah, and and also it's wonderful. I mean that that is um, 192 backers, uh, and I think let me have a quick look. So it's I think a lot of acrylic, people... isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know, thirty people there just backed, you know, to support with a pin and stuff. But that still leaves a hundred and sixty odd people getting into four by five photography, which is amazing. I mean, I, I, you know, I, the, the, you've got to get on this, dude. You clearly got to get on this. This is where stuff's going. Um, I'm just good that, no. If yeah. <laughs> they're, they're lightweight as well they are um yeah rachel's got a prototype one so again you'll have to call down and visit her <laughs> and try out her camera um but uh yeah really successful and following on from the footsteps of intrepid making four by five photography so much more available to a wider audience um yeah it's quite it's really exciting and um i did see a message from Steve um, on somewhere um, so as it ran up to things saying that, um, you know, th- that's it now that basically if you haven't gone for the Kickstarter, you're going to have to wait probably until at least November before he's going to open up to start trying to build more and sell them for non Kickstarter ones. So um, anyway, really well done, Steve, huge congratulations. And um, I can't wait to see these things getting made and out to people. But with 160 odd cameras to build, good luck, everybody. (laughs) Enjoy that. Uh, Victim of your own success. Yeah, yeah, but you know, that's quite quite a challenge ahead of him, I am sure. But you know, still great news. And and great news that there's that level of interest, you know, it's, um, so it's a, it's it's a fantastic thing, you know. Just we we had wondered whether the all the announcements and all the news and all the product launches of 2017 would be carried through into 2018. Uh, so it seems there's still some interest out there, which is great. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and um, 
uh, Robert Ham with his box camera, the Ham camera, also another really great success that had a hugely successful Kickstarter. Um, and in fact, I even saw, I think it's one we may have mentioned a while back. Um, I can't remember. But anyway, the, the, the digital back for um, analog cameras, um, the I'm back, the most aptly named Kickstarter, because I think this might be its fifth attempt at Kickstarter. <laughs> but, but you know what? I'm pleased to say that I think it has hit its goal this time. So congratulations to that guy too. Um, there's still a real appetite for this stuff out there. New year, new Kickstarters. It's all good. Wow. Okay. There we go. Uh, excellent. Excellent news. Excellent news. Right. Okay. So now um, I uh, I am gleefully going to introduce that Graham is doing the next section of the show <laughs> uh, because this is a the, the, there's a, a, a splendidly a magnificently lengthy email from uh, listener James Thorpe. Uh, that uh, we didn't get time to go through on our uh, mainly email show last week when Mike was our guest. Uh, so uh, Graham has kindly agreed to take us through this one. Over to you. OK, here we go. So, yes, we said we'd read this out because I'm really good just good old camera chat here which we don't tend to do a lot of on this uh, ostensibly camera based show which is weird um james writes greetings sunbeams rachel aid and graham and most especially graham's evil twin jeremy um <laughs> firstly big kudos to rachel and her underexposed ladies um, <laughs> um, okay. um okay underexposed with a capital u because it's the name of the show yeah right. um thus far both episodes have been fantastic very illuminating and inspiring second as a relatively new listener to Sunny 16, I believe I started somewhere around episode 75. I've been ploughing through your entire oeuvre, working my way backwards. I must say it's been interesting to hear you all ageing in reverse a la Benjamin Button. You really have amassed an amazing resource for film shooters. Big thanks for all your hard work. Well, um, thank you very much, James. To be honest, I think it's more we've amassed a lot of really awesome conversations with cool people. Um Thirdly, your last podcast featuring Matt Wells from Ag... Ag, Ag, Ag. AG, it's the chemical symbol for silver. As I was saying, Ag, um, was incredible. What a fascinating behind-the-scenes look at the film processing business. Why doesn't that man have his own podcast? Because it would be five hours long. Because I mean, <laughs> he couldn't afford the hosting is why. <laughs> Hey, uh, um, we uh, we had um, Matt from um, Ag Photographic Lab in Birmingham on a week before last, and he was great. He had so much information, and he could talk like nobody. Well, like a few people we've had on before, but yeah, he was good. Wind him up and watch him go. I think um, he's up there in the top three or four with Dave Bias, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now for the update. This past Christmas, my wife and I spent three weeks in the south of France, and before our trip, I emailed you to ask about AIDS Bhutan trip and his experience travelling with film through numerous export, export airport x-rays. Your comments convinced me to stop worrying and just let the film go through the carry-on luggage scanners. I did just that, and I'm happy to report all turned out well. I took numerous rolls of film with me, 35mm, 120 and 220 with, and then there's a long list of very different films, which I won't go through all of them, but anyway, they all got through fine. Uh, I took a variety of film cameras with me, including the aforementioned Olympus Mew 2. Um, so big shout out to the Olympus <laughs> Mew 2 this evening. Uh, Olympus Trip 35, Nikon F3 HP. Uh, Good choice. 
uh, Fuji GA645 uh, and the Yashica Mat124. Originally, I had planned on taking my Veronica SQOA AI, but ultimately sanity prevailed, and I opted for the Yashica instead. <laughs> I think what he means by sanity prevailed is he didn't want to take too much stuff, so he just took all of that stuff. He couldn't. That that's so he did. So yes, he took one, two, three, four, five cameras. Well, that's great. So there's a couple of things I'm going to pick up on here. One is, uh, yeah, all the film went through a total of six X-ray scanners. So yeah, and not a single roll had any fogging. That is great. That is great. And I'll, t- um, I'll tell you why. For um, many of the listeners will have heard about my Bhutan trip last year. Uh, but in case anybody is new, uh, I had a film that went through, I think, in the end, 12 X-ray machines. Uh, and some of them looked pretty old and tatty um, uh, and possibly uh, not properly shielded. Um, and uh, I had no problem at all. Now, the fastest film I took on that trip was 250. It was the Vision 3 250 Daylight. And uh, that had no problem at all. Um, but what James is saying here is he took Fuji Natura 1600 through six X-ray scanners. Now, that's that's... In in uh, that's that's several stops, uh, uh, well, a couple of stops, maybe more than what my films experience. So yeah, the, there is really no need these days uh, to be worried about how much uh, X-rays your film picks up when you travel. So that that's good. Um, you know, really glad to hear that other people are doing this because it's important that we all get comfortable with it. <laughs> Yes, I think we'll. D, this this X-ray stuff sounds like the kind of thing that you'd actually probably quite like to have a go at doing. Have you fried any film with X-rays? No, no, I've never never tried that. Because <laughs> I I, wrote, I read on your blog that you, um, with some of the Impossible film, you actually, if you found that the results were coming up too clean, you'd let it age like a fine wine for a while before you yeah. shot it. I've put it on the radiator and stuff like <laughs> that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good to <yeah. laughs> Well, yeah, my um, friend of the show, Dave, called around this afternoon and he was talking about the fact that he did um, take a roll of film and nuke it because he works uh, in, in the dental industry. Um, so he has access to high power X-ray machines. So we'll have to find when he eventually gets around to using the film, if it's of any interest, if the results he gets out, I'll try and persuade him to nuke some film for you and send it up because yeah. Um, yeah, Dave likes doing stuff like that. Anyway, um this is controversial, do you think you'll agree? As far as the cameras go, I have to say I have a love-hate relationship with the Stylus Epic or the Olympus Mew. Oh, yes, fighting talk. Uh, yeah. The lens, yes, it's tiny and the lens is amazing. And if you activate the spot meter function, it gives you incredible control for a point and shoot. But I dearly hate the fact that it always defaults to the flash on option. Every time you slide the lens cover back to turn on the camera, you have to press the flash button on the back twice in order to turn off the flash. If anyone ever comes with a, up with a hack to fix this, I'll gladly recommend them for a knighthood. Gaffer is tape. This a thing? That won't oh, no, work. not gaffer tape. Sorry, uh, I tell you what, even better, uh, uh, black electrical tape. Stick yeah, it, that's what stick I out, stick that... it over the flash. You'll be fine. Yeah, I put that over the the Polaroid six hundred camera I, I had um, to shoot it without flash. Um, when that was the only Polaroid camera I had, so yeah, yeah, works. yeah, electrical tape. Or, or <laughs> if you just want to tone down the flash, um, you get the. The semi, you can get the semi-transparent sort of scotch um, sellotape type stuff, 
mm. which works well um uh or, or even uh yeah any, anything that's a sort of partially opaque i used to i do that with um oh my fuji instax camera um you know uh to, to take a couple of stops off the off the flash which is somewhat nuclear so can Dee, i have, have my knighthood tried... now no um <laughs> d have you tried this method with your um olympus mu well don't you just turn the flash off yeah but but james but, is moaning but, but, like a big yeah, girl about a camera it. like that but a camera like that you already look like an amateur turning up to photograph something with that so at least if you're pressing buttons you can pretend that you're <laughs> in control with it so that's a <laughs> very like good point the buttons. <laughs> yeah exactly look at me being a pro i have buttons to push yeah i'm in control and yeah <laughs> all the fact that my camera is literally sellotaped together i'm yes yeah. see there you go james this is making you look more professional thank you d this is why we need this insight um i don't know why i took the trip 35 with me but something possessed me to toss it in my bag nonetheless i only put five rolls through it that's a year's worth of shooting for me i only put five rolls through it but after seeing the scans come back from the lab i wish i'd shot more i was blown away i shot everything on auto using the trip's ancient selenium meter and all the photos were stunning either of you guys ever shot with an olympus trip no, I've looked at them on eBay, but I've never, I've never bought one. Um, I don't think you can get up very close with it, can you? Like I always like to have, if, I like to shoot portrait, and you know I like to get close and get far back. So if mm. I'm spending a bit of money on a camera and I don't have a lot of capability with it, then I won't. But yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if they're expensive, are they? Ah, it depends on whether they are uh, uh, aged or whether they are restored. The restored ones where they had the selenium meters replaced and things like that, those can be quite expensive. Now, they're quite a cult camera, aren't they? They sell yeah. them in places like the Photographer's Gallery in London and stuff like that, all fully restored and nice and shiny. Um, those are a bit more expensive, as you can imagine. Um, but the... Is it Bailey that used to shoot with one or something or, or Duffy or I'm sure there's somebody famous who shot with that. Uh, I think did I think um I think David Bailey did some adverts for Olympus back in the 70s or 80s or something like that but whether whether he that was the camera or not I don't know. I may I, mean, I may be getting that completely wrong anyway so No um, I I don't know I'm sure I don't, I'm sure I heard somebody famous shot with it but yeah some guy. So Yeah. Some, it would get back in the 70s it was definitely some guy <laughs> but yeah you're right um I, I have got one and you you can't it's one the focusing is one of these people trees mountains kind of deals um and you can't get up there. i mean the, the lens is it's a nice lens on it and it's a sharp lens i i didn't particularly enjoy shooting with it because the the shutter button's just got a, it's a got a, an unsatisfying feel it's a bit squishy and you know Nobody wants nobody wants a squishy shutter. Um, <laughs> let's go. Um, the Nikon uh, F3HP source was a dream, as always. As someone who wears glasses, that viewfinder is a godsend. And even though I have the Nikon, this is all Nikon stuff. So that, so Nikon, that just so for those that don't know, the HP. Ah, and I can never. What, what's what's the term for when the the viewfinder is set so that you can be further back? Is it's not high profile. It's it's something else. Anyway, so the point is, is the F three HP was was one where you could you could wear glasses and it was great because it was the the viewfinder was focused for you. So that's that's a good thing. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Don't even think about. No, <laughs> uh, no. Hey, and and but and well, I butted in there because we're not going to gloss over the Nikon stuff just because 
Graham hasn't got any Nikon stuff. I love Nikon <laughs> yeah, I cameras. Not, could not get a list Nikon stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I'll read this paragraph then. Okay, <laughs> if you you're not going to, if you're, if you're just going to poo-poo it, I will read James's paragraph about <laughs> right, Nikon. So he says, even though he has the Nikkor 51.2 and 1.4, I opted for the more compact and lighter E series 1.8. That is a contentious choice, James. So the the E series was the was the kit lens equivalent from I think the mid seventies. I think I have the thirty five mil E series, and it's noticeably softer than uh, some of the more expensive lenses of the time. So that that's but, but it's good to say. He says I was not disappointed. I've heard the E series is the cheaper, more plasticky cousin, and it. Uh, and it absolutely is in terms of build at least my one is anyway <laughs> um but i honestly cannot tell the difference so that's cool excellent right back to you now then so so the i mean you were saying earlier that you don't like the what lens this kind of stuff yeah, is not I'm totally lost i'm totally lost and yeah lenses oh, and good. Someone, someone emailed me about it once and i had to go look at my camera to, to find the lens to type it <laughs> so um but um but yeah i just don't i don't know stuff like this i just Do you viewfinder if, it, if it's not giving me what i want i go get a camera <laughs> yeah got it <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you ever shoot with an slr setup or do you prefer to use the smaller more um easily maneuverable cameras like the mu no I, i've got i've got a practica i've got an olympus um on 10 i've got a zenit um <laughs> 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 is that a good I just uh, I I have <laughs> Zenits have caused me like practically physical harm. <laughs> That's such a, oh those things. I, I had an Arax for a while. You know the one twenty one. They it's like an old Soviet camera that they've sort of refurbed or something. Um, oh right, yeah. I I used that back in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen for like a year or so. Um. And I shot tons of black and white on that because I was, that's when I first started printing. So I did lots of darkroom print work from the, the images I shot with that. But that's a really good camera. Um, that's with the, you know, the the waist level viewfinder and everything, which yeah. is, I love waist level viewfinders. Those are really cool. But, um, oh. but yeah. Have you ever tried the uh, Lubitel? The, um, <laughs> given... Yeah. Because Sorry. Are you no, still trying to sell your Lubitel? Uh, you say sell, I say fob off for an unsuspecting victim. Yeah. Uh, don't, <laughs> it's, so I try, I picked up his Lubitel once, D, and uh, I literally could not get, uh, looking down into the finder, I literally could not get a picture. I could see some <laughs> colours, but there was no position of the, of there's no focusing position of the lens or uh, any... Um, or, or any distance I would be from the ground glass, well, the the, the foggy plastic, that I could actually see any kind of image at all. I mean, it, it was it it was it there was no image to be had. <laughs> it's it has unique charm. It's made by the same people um, that made. It's it's a Lomo camera. If you've shot with any of the Lomo brand of quality cameras. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's the thing is you've said in the past. Well, one of the things that you like about film is like it, it, the unpredictability of it, and, and, and you know what that brings to it. And this camera personifies that. Um, and I, I and also it's made of light leak. I think mostly made of light leak. If you ever want to try one out, just let me know. It's in the post. Not selling it to me very well. <laughs> 
God damn it. <laughs> well, it was worth a try. Um, uh, it's, it's really light to post, like I said, just let me know. <laughs> you get to look down into a viewfinder and imagine what the image might look like if you could see it. Um, so look at okay. Diana. Like when you look through the Diana, there's no point looking through the viewfinder because you don't don't get what's through the viewfinder. So yeah, I mean, this is what it's not quite that bad. It just requires more effort. I, I took it out and shot with it um, a few weeks ago when I was up in Wales, and um, and unfortunately, I was shooting black and white, and light leaks on black and white film are not a good look. Yeah, <laughs> if that been color, that might at least have been interesting. But as it is, it's just like a stain across this image. Ah, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, back in this box. Um, where was I? Okay, um, uh, I chose. Oh, we will get some more caps. I chose the Fuji. This is a lot of letters. GA six four five WI. That's the Women's Institute version of the Fuji for a couple of reasons. It's a fairly portable medium format camera with autofocus for the days I want to be lazy, and it shoots one twenty as well as two twenty. I have a boatload of two twenty that I've been amassing. All of it now expired, of course. But with twenty four exposures per roll, it's such a convenient format. I've even begun buying up rolls of seventy millimeter to start rolling my own in addition the uh, fuji can go full manual which i did for some long exposure night photography the only thing i don't like is the viewfinder orientation which is in native portrait mode most of my 645 photography is in landscape mode and it's a bit of a pain to always shoot with the camera rotated yeah, um, that's a feature of that uh, that ga line of fuji's uh, some people you, you either love it or you hate it um, and for some people, it just doesn't work at all. But what it does mean is that the cameras can be made quite compact, um, uh, and uh, because the the film can scroll, the film scrolls sideways across it rather than up and down, like in a, a Hasselblad or a Bronica uh, ETRS, the film scrolls sideways. So you get the height, you get the full height of the film, the full sixty mil, but you only get forty five mil depth uh, width. Sorry, every exposure. There you go. Pass that then. Um, <laughs> as uh, as uh, I mean, it's actually, I'd love to. I would love to have a portable, like a little point and shoot medium format thing. That would be that'd be a lot of fun. I think that'd be cool. Somebody want to send me? Was it the um, Mamiya Seven? They seem very popular. I mean, they're about two grand. So I think they're quite large as well. Rob, Rob Hawthorne's got a really Rob Hawthorne's got a really good one, which is a it is a Fuji GA six four five, but it's the it's not the wide one, it's a different one, and it's a folder, and it folds up really small. Um, uh, I wish Fuji would give things better names, and that's a bad name. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, uh, as I've mentioned, I also planned on taking my Bronica SQAI, but in the end, I couldn't justify the extra weight in bulk because I'd already filled up all my bags with a million other cameras. Um, it doesn't say that. Um, so I went with the Yashica Mat 124G instead. It too gave me the 120-220 flexibility, but in a much more portable package. I'm always gobsmacked when I see photos shot with this camera. The Yashinon lens is spot on, the medium format depth of field is amazing, and this little tank just won't stop. The camera does have a meter but in my experience it's been hit and miss so when I wasn't sunny 16 yet I relied on the Voigtlander VC speed meter 2 that I've stuck on the Ashika's flash shoe the only downside to this camera is that it's a conversation magnet and and boo to talking to human beings perfect, <laughs> again it doesn't say that, um, that's editors know perfect strangers will stop, well as long as they're perfect strangers, and will stop me on the street to ask about it, I can't tell you how many shots I've missed because someone's asking what is that? Or can you still buy film for that? Or, hey, is that a video camera? Or my personal favourite, 
cool dude i saw that vivian meyer documentary too um there you go um so yeah, I, I ADD. He hates uh, waist level viewfinders um, because he's got old man eyes and he can't see properly. <laughs> I don't even wear my contact lenses from for most of my work's been shot with me blind, you know. So. You, oh, I, you really would love this Lubatel. I honestly, I think <laughs> you're gonna go. <laughs> you, this camera's built for you. Dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> Friend of the show, Alex Purcell, actually, I saw on Instagram before we came on, he has just bought a Yashica Mat 124G, of which I am very jealous, and he's going to be bringing it up to the photography show, so I'll try and steal it when he's not looking. Um, uh, there's a long list of film he took with him, which I won't read now because it's a very long list, but it's it's all the films, basically. Lots of nice colour film, actually. Um, in fact, I think it's all colour film, yeah. Ektar, Portra, Fuji Natura lots of lovely color film oh and also a lot and a metric ton of black and white film as well um uh including double x I, I i really like the um kodak uh, eastman double x film i was looking at <laughs> i was briefly looking at uh 400 foot bulk roll of double x <laughs> which, which was um i think it's about 250 pounds and i thought Maybe not. How long, how <laughs> long would that last you? Then I don't even know how much. I don't even have any concept of how much film that might be. Well, I think one roll of about thirty exposures is five foot. So I mean, it would last me several lifetimes. I'd be leaving that to my children. So that's what. So what's is that? If that's five foot for a normal roll of film, then that's four. It's eighty. Eighty rolls, is it? Four hundred yeah, feet, that's, that's eighty rolls. Several of film. lifetimes worth mm. of film for me. Yeah. Well, you're still um, trying to get through that HP five you bought about five years ago, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> yes, I am still trying to get. Shush, shush you. How, how many hundred feet have you got left of that? <laughs> I don't know. I need. To, I'll get back on that. But I didn't buy it. But I was quite tempted. It came in a tin and everything, like a proper movie star. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, double X is really nice. It's, I know you said you you shoot um, almost exclusively colourd, but uh, have you? Uh, do you have any black and white films that you particularly like to dip into? I really like roll eye retro film. Um, oh, I haven't tried that one. People always say that when I I tell them about. It. I'm always telling people to try it. It's that's what I shot mostly on the Arax I had. Um, what else did I shoot? Neopan. Um, mm, yeah. Kodak T Max. Um, Former pan I really like because it's got a sort of silvery look mm. and it's very 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 grainy. So um, I don't, I really don't like Alfred film. People seem to love Alfred film. Mm. I find it too clean. And it's not a true black and white film, is it? It's 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 like color that's that's desaturated or something. I think somebody told me. Um, um, it, the XP2, Ilford's XP2 is that that's a C41 film that's desaturated, but yeah. the rest of theirs are all Ilford might get quite upset if you said that they were, <laughs> like, it's literally all they have is black and white films, like, oh god please don't take that away from us But I don't, I don't know I, I obviously I use their papers, but um, I don't know, it's too clean for me the Ilford films, I really like my black and white contrasty and grainy and um, you know mm. stuff I mean, like that, I, but yeah the Rolei yeah. Retro is really nice, um, but I've not shot it for ages. Did you try HP5? Um, sounds like you might have tried Delta or possibly um, FP, whatever it is one. Yeah, the, the Delta 3200. I've, I, I didn't mind that, actually. I shot that in really, really low light, and it was quite cool. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I like that one, yeah. Yeah, it's about, that's about the only black and white I shoot, actually, is Delta 3200. I don't really shoot a lot of black and white anymore. Yeah. 
Um, but I've got, I have shot the HP5. I've got loads of rolls of it, actually, that I'm always palming off on people because I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> and other people seem to think it's great. But I think it's just, it's just, it's just not, it's not the look that I like for my work. I like what other people do with it, but it doesn't seem to suit what I'm, the stuff yeah. I like. Um, but yeah. It's interesting because um, I've just developed the uh, the first roll of Fomapan I've ever shot was from some Fomapan four hundred and and you know because that I found that to that's really as you said it's it's very silvery from and not contrasty at all that one is it it's it's got quite a, a distinct look to it yeah um, yeah I did also find it it was it's less tolerant of messing up than some of the other black and white films like okay you either get it right or you get it real wrong with this but um, yeah. But the double X is nice. The double X is, if you ever see it around, it's that's quite nice and contrasty. Um, uh, yeah, because it's, it's a um, movie film, um, yeah. and uh, I think you can push it and pull it around. But uh, yeah, it might be worth it if, if uh, anybody. <laughs> if I ever buy a four hundred foot roll, trust me, I'll send you some. <laughs> I'll send you a couple of hundred feet of bloody stuff. Um, and there you go. And um, oh, and actually talking about Neopan, um, James says he um, his favourite was the Neopan 120 Acros, um, and he's shooting night nighttime shots with the Neopan because of course the nice thing with the Neopan 100 is that it doesn't suffer from reciprocity failure. So up to I think 120 seconds, James is on here, so you don't have to add extra time on for long exposures. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, my only real regret on this trip, aside from not eating more croissants and foie, 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 foie gras and brie. Look, two out of three I can go with foie gras, boo, James, just boo. Um, was because I was travelling light, you weren't travelling light. <laughs> uh, I disappointed this. God, oh my, this, this is emails falling apart. What, what about this email suggests a gentleman who's trying to travel light? <laughs> <laughs> what, what about this email suggests a gentleman? I decided not to take a tripod. Instead, I brought along my Platypod plates camera support. I hadn't used it much before this and thought it would be a good travel substitute for a tripod. That was a mistake. A lot of my long exposures were made with the Yashica mat, uh, which is, of course, a TLR. The Platypod wasn't a good match for the Ishika's relatively high centre of gravity. The camera kept toppling over. After a frustrating few outings, I broke down and bought a cheap Manfrotto tripod and just used that for the rest of the holiday. Uh. Oh, well. Oh, hum. <laughs> a cheap Manfrotto tripod. I think that is an oxymoron, but... Um, nah, they're not that bad. Um, and now that the festive season has passed, the eggnog has curdled and the tinsel has tarnished and the new year is upon us like a wolf on the fold, I'm finally getting around to inputting my scans into Lightroom. Since since Facebook insisted on raping the Instagram sorting algorithm, I've abandoned most social media, save Flickr. In the days ahead, I'll be posting anything uncringeworthy to my Flickr account, uh, which is an old, it's flickr.com forward slash photos forward slash Suzanne James so that's um, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-J-A-M-E-S I had no uh, idea James was his middle name yeah there you go just go to the show <laughs> doesn't it a boy called Sue um, apologies for the long winded email and thanks again for uh, all the nonsense that we do cheers from James Top. so there you go we got through the epic email well done everybody and thank you very much James um, sounds like a really wonderful trip if you've shot five five rolls of film in the Olympus trip alone and that was the camera you didn't use much I shudder to think how much film you shot in total it must have been a huge amount ah I mean the you you saying you get out most days to shoot how much 
how much do you, are you getting through a roll a day when you get out? Is it, what's your kind of shoot rate like? I I tend to like with self portraits. I I was last year and the year before sort of shooting once a week, but that'd be one roll of film. Um, mm. I'd shoot. Um, I've not shot a lot this year um, so far, but um, I find it hard to finish a roll sometimes. Like just. Yeah, word. Yeah, like 36 <laughs> shots sometimes. It's just like, oh my God. So many. It's too yeah, many. So many. Why not 12? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, I think at the moment I'm probably shooting a couple of times a month. Um, I, I really struggle if I don't have new pictures to post. Mm. Um, so. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you, so when you are shooting, do you, is that you, put, you like to get through a role? develop it because you do all that stuff um at home yourself is that right yeah yeah and get in and just do it all and and share it and get it out there sort of st- you're quite impatient to see the pictures once you've taken them yeah yeah i just love i mean that's that's what i love love about it is the end the end result the pictures um to see if the the idea that i've shot has worked um or if it hasn't worked what i need to do next time um yeah i seem to always get inspiration at night so um, sometimes I'll shoot really late at night into the early morning and then develop the film really early in the morning. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us here are chewing through quite that amount of It's just terrible. Like the idea of coming back with what sounds like dozens of rolls of film and having to deal with that. Just, yeah. I think I just put it in the box and go. Well, that was fun shooting. I'm never going to look at these. These stay in the box and, until I die, and somebody assumes that I'm the next Vivian Meyer, and they they develop it all. <laughs> there are so many things wrong with what you just said. <laughs> I don't even Thank know you. where to start. <laughs> should we? Should we? Should we move on then? Because I think I think we're we're uh, well. Uh, here, here's a short segment for you. Cheap shots challenge update. Okay, cheap. This is really important. We need to round because um, the cheap shots challenge. Indeed, you you would like this, given the for cameras. The cheap shots challenge is where we set a challenge, um, and people have to shoot with a, under a particular theme with a camera that they picked up for like twenty quid or less, um, and then keep that camera throughout the various different ones. And we've been running the one. The, the one that's currently ongoing is um, activity. I think it's sort of sports and activity, and um, and we're sort of halfway through. We're over halfway through now. So. Um, um, I've had some you, entries you might sent be. to us. <laughs> yeah, I, um, um, but we've had some entries sent to us, so we have got some pictures coming in already. And the closing date for people getting uh, entries to us is the 31st of this month. So we need to have entries in um, just to remind people what we'd like to do is, I mean, please share any pictures you're taking on Instagram or wherever with the hashtag Cheap Shots Challenge, and then email us at Sunny Sixteen Podcast your two favourite ones, so that we will have. Um, uh, make it nice and easy for when we get the judging done the judge which is definitely organised all sorted don't ask me any further questions on that but it's definitely all sorted um, and I was talking to as I think previously mentioned uh, my good friend Dave who uh, Dave off of this podcast in the past and I'm, I, I, when I spoke to him said you know it's coming up to show 100 you ought to be on before show 100 so he might be anyway dave has been um a regular star of the cheap shots challenge in the past and that's actually why he called around today because dave 
loves his double exposures. He, he, he doesn't shoot a lot, Deep, but you'd probably appreciate some of his stuff. He's very good at making quite good, amusing double exposures. Um, and he was caught. He he was in the area today, and he wanted me to help model for some of his uh, bonkers ideas. So um, Dave's getting on it. We've had a couple of other entries. I've taken some pictures, um, and. Uh, Yes, now is the time. Get shooting, get your pictures developed. Uh, you've still got three weeks, just about, um, not quite three weeks, two and a half weeks. So, uh, yeah, get on it, people, especially people like you, Aid, and Rachel, because I'm sure Rachel also hasn't started. Um, and, yeah, I was quite glad I was able to help Dave get some pictures because uh, apparently his early ideas were <laughs> less... Um, sanitary what his plans were so um, yeah it's difficult though shooting activity based stuff sporty activity pictures at this time of year not easy i mean the have you got any good suggestions for what we could do you're you're a very creative person it seems to be nice to come up with ideas even when you're in your own room uh what can people do to get good pictures of activity and sporty stuff in march like sporty, like actual sports, like well, just any, but just anything. We're, we've gone real broad with this because <laughs> photographers and sport well, don't always go well together. People running around, I don't know, skipping ropes and stuff. That's quite a good idea, skipping rope. Oh. But, like, I do a lot of stuff with sparklers. Could run around with those. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, that's some very good ideas. I, um, I won't spoil what Dave's ideas were uh, that he was shooting about. Suffice to say, they were more double exposures. So, uh, but but it won't be a picture of me talking out my ass, which was one of the double exposures Dave entered for a previous one. <laughs> Bless his con socks. Um, yes, please do. If you if I know quite a lot of people have picked up cameras for this, which is great. But you now to get out and shoot with them and get those pictures to us. Uh, in the next couple of weeks yes and uh, uh or if you're like me just get started in the next couple of weeks and try and get something done so i i really need to uh, uh dig out the the 110 film out of the fridge and uh, stick it in the camera and, and go and explore which is something that uh, i haven't had a lot of time to do myself recently but there you go that's why it's called a challenge <laughs> i think that's why it's called a challenge is that why it's called a challenge yeah, definitely, because it's challenging for us and Nimrod to take any pictures, let alone good ones. Yes, yes. Well, I, I did take I did take a few Instax photos uh, yesterday. Went on a walk. Uh, it was a, it was, of course, as we record this uh, in the UK, it was Mother's Day yesterday. So I I was out with some uh, on a on a family walk yesterday, and uh, I took some Instax pictures. Um, so, uh, but that's not the I, my Instax camera is not my cheap shots challenge camera. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, those don't count anyway no. all right let's move on so uh also uh something very very topical is uh this coming weekend um because 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 uh this is the weekend that we are having our meetup in birmingham uh so this show goes out on a thursday in this case that will be thursday the 12, 13, 14, 15, 15th thursday the 15th of march and we are meeting up on the Sunday, the 18th of March at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. That was a long thing in one breath. I got a little breathless there. Anyway, we are meeting up at the NEC in Birmingham for a little thing called the Photography Show. Uh, and uh, for those of you who are interested, we will be there uh, ooh, from... Uh, 
quite early on in the morning. I think it opens at 10 o'clock right the way through to uh, sometime in the afternoon. And then there is the option as well to go into the centre of Birmingham on a photo walk. And that photo walk is listed on the website photowalk.me, uh, which, of course, is the new project by friend of the show, Martin Smith. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You looking forward to it? Very much so. And yeah, I mean, if if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you'll see us posting stuff up about it. But if you don't use either of those things, the best thing to do is go to photowalk.me. If you want to come um, and catch up with us there, go there, because that's the best place to be sure of keeping track of um, when we're going to meet up and where. Um, but to give people a broad overview, I suspect that the, the, the current vague plan, no, the current plan, full stop, not vague, the current very specific plan is that we will meet up in the sort of foyer big entrance area right before we go into the show. Um, there was a big blank space there last year, which I'm just going to assume is there again this year uh, at 11 o'clock. Um, that's where we will get together. Um, but we will have smartphones on there and we will um, share the ability to contact us um, because I know Rachel's not getting into a bit later. I know um, friend of the show and constant emailer or, of whose emails we will partially get to next week because bless you, Jeremy, um, will be a bit with us a bit later as well. So um, we will make sure we are easily accessible. But yes, if you're not on Twitter or Instagram, then do sign up to the photo walk dot me thing because it just makes it easier for us to communicate. Um, and the plan is for us to spend um probably two or three hours depending on what the group wants to do when we're there looking around the show having a mooch around and then those that want to we will get on the train uh, and go up to um just it's a short ride into birmingham proper and go for a walk around there and take some pictures and go for a cup of tea or go to the pub or whatever and just actually take some take some pictures because that's a nice thing to do as well and then we can easily get back on the train and go back anyway that's the plan 11 o'clock in the foyer, um, look for the handsomest people in all all of uh, uh, all of the photo show, which it's mostly filled with old beardy people, so that shouldn't be too hard. Actually, um, so anybody who's looking for me will be able to find me easily. Just look for a tall person with a bright blue Fisher Price 110 camera around their neck, because <laughs> yeah, baby, that's what I'm going to be rocking, and I feel relatively confident. I will be the only person rocking a 110 Fisher Price camera, so that will be your carnation in the lapel for finding me. Uh, yeah, I, great I took a 110 camera last year, actually, and I did get a couple of questions from people like, "What's that? It's tiny. How do you fit digital in there?" And it's like, "No, it's a film. It's a film camera." <laughs> it's just like... uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get any questions. Just funny looks. Also, the flash doesn't work on it, so I won't be able to take any pictures indoors. But that's not the point. It's going to be my badge of dishonor. So. Excellent. Well, I tell you what, I'm I'm super looking forward to that, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, great to uh, hope well to put a face to some of the names. I mean, some some of you guys that listen to the show and contact us regularly or semi regularly, uh, yeah, on any of the social media or by email or anything like that. There's uh, there's a number of people who said that they're going to come, and uh, people who I have never met in person. So I am very much looking forward to that. I think it's going to be uh, good fun. And as you say, Graham, last year there was that meeting spot. Just you have to go in through the bit where you set, show your ticket. And then just before you go into the main show proper, there was a, a sort of waiting area where they there, where there was some, some tea and cake stalls there and stuff like that, weren't there? So uh, we will be in there, assuming it's still there. Um, OK, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Unless there's... 
Does it, unless there's any other business. Graham, is there any other business? Yeah, just wanted because we didn't do it at the top of the show. Just uh, as always, give a shout out to our lovely friend Rachel, who we were really hoping was going to be with us this week, um, because I know Rachel really wanted to talk to Dee, but she was working super late tonight. But for those of you who are jonesing for a Rachel fix, and I think that's pretty much everybody, she's going to be at the photo show, and we will be recording something for next week's show at the photo show, so we will get some Rachel really? goodness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah You've yeah. got the plan, have you? Uh, yes, let's say it's a plan. <laughs> Right. I don't know whether there's a looser word that covers what it is, but there's a half-arsed plan. Um, they're my, fa- they're my favourite kind, to be fair. They're my favourite kind, so I, I suspect we'll be fine. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good, baby. It's it's all good. Okay, well, do you know what? I would like to say thank you very much to Dee for coming on the show this week. Thanks for having me. It's what? been it's been fun. <laughs> it's been, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I tell you what, we do need to do though. We need to give you the uh, the. We always like to give our guests the opportunity to uh, promote themselves uh, and to send our listeners to go look at their work. So, uh, you know, uh, just once again, because we did do this a, a, uh, at least partially earlier on. Um, where would you like our listeners to go to see your work? Um, find me on Instagram that's where I post the most um, and it's all pictures on there so um, if you find me on Instagram I am Alegia um, yeah that's the best place to get me do you want to spell that D just in case yeah. people don't know how to yeah yeah it's I-A-M-E-L-E-G-I-A okay. and, um, and your website as well because Instagram's great but you you do have to you know nipples the horrendous thing that is a nipple not allowed on Instagram so if you want to see unadulterated pictures of Dee's work uh, what's your website Dee? it's uh, Um yep and that's great and your blog links from there and there's yeah. links to interviews and um, all sorts of stuff from there it's a great place to go and check out we were saying during the break you know your these work might not be for everybody but it's absolutely well worth a look and I, I, I love it and I think it's great and thank you so much for joining us this week Dee. it's been great getting to talk to you thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> okay alright well that really is the end of the show then for this week so all that remains to say is that you can get in touch with us on the internet and we are sunny 16 podcast on instagram on twitter very rarely on you might find us on facebook uh, or you could email us sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com uh, given that we now uh, have moved the feed as well for the show we also now have a, a new website where you can access all of the back catalogue uh, and uh, you know that that's uh, you know we can access it bit by bit one at a time you can stream stuff that kind of thing and that website is sunny16.podbean.com um, beyond that uh, we are just about to kick out with some music and that music is of course from Rach's band Rocha and their album Promises I Should Have Kept uh, you can get on Spotify, Amazon or iTunes and that is about it it has been a joy and a privilege to speak to you all again this week we will, well those of you, some of you will see you on Sunday and the rest of you will talk to you next week goodbye bye bye